0: We bring you this special radio-television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon.
1: From the files of schlock and awe, welcome to Natural Selection, the
0: home of the DTV creature feature. Here are your hosts... Matty Budrevich, and Dave Wayne. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! No! No! Hello and welcome to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV creature feature. Uh, My name is Dave Wayne and just sat... Um, socially distancing And Firmly Not exchanging Any droplets whatsoever To my right Is
1: Matty Budrevich Hello How have you been? Alright Alright This is just, it's. I feel like we should uh, What's that Reunited and it <laughs> feels so good that's good Thanks man yeah. It's hard singing it though From two metres across The living room at you
0: Indeed but. Um, so what we've we got coming up today, we've got a really good double feature of bats. You know, <laughs> it's not like bats are, are, are a topical subject in in any way right now with anything that might be going on. Um, <laughs> but you know, we we couldn't ignore bats any longer because it's it's a pivotal. Yeah, piece, it is. Isn't and there?
1: also, I am secretly hoping that we get the sort of. Uh, armchair racist All oh, this was started with a bat I'm, ho- I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get that sort of audience, this is going to be the crossover episode, the one that joins oh, yeah. uh, the liberal minded and the armchair racists yeah. together
0: and it's, it's a perfect gateway to a spin off series that we can have <laughs> but yeah I mean Bats and its sequel, you know, Bats Human Harvest are uh, a fairly fascinating example of two very different releases aren't they i mean mm-hmm. the first bats i mean just to be the contrarian in the room you know you may ask yourself it's a five million dollar budget film it opens on 2540 screens in america in what way does this film qualify for the dtv creature feature
1: to me i think we need to discuss that there is a marked difference in uh, in direct-to-video in america mm-hmm. and direct-to-video here in the uk yeah often what gets a theatrical release in america and doesn't do too well or isn't seem to have much of a market here in the uk we get dumped straight to video mm. such is the case with bats which as you said opened theatrically it opened uh, halloween 1999 5 million budget, it doubled its budget on its theatrical run, even though it wasn't very well received by critics, but anyway, and here in the UK it ends up getting released straight to video. What's interesting about that is, as well in terms of, not only have you got the difference between director video in the UK and the US, is Bats and Bats 2 represent the two greatest um, I guess strands or phases of the creature feature. You know, so bats is part of the Anaconda, Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid cachings. Yeah. Okay, so these are the ones that sort of run between ninety seven and let's say two thousand and two, two thousand and three time. After that, two thousand and three to two thousand and four, you've got the rise of the sci fi. Type creature feature, yeah. you know, the ones that are specifically made for direct-to-video, direct-to-DVD, direct-to-television distribution. Yeah. So you've got Bats, which is, you know, the, the classy sort of big-screen variant, answer to Anaconda and all that stuff, and then you've got Bats Human Harvest, which was released in 2007 straight to sci-fi, and of course, 2007 for sci-fi, that is... In the middle of it all. This is as they're heading towards their biggest, most successful year, which was like 2010, 2011, where they were getting Mm. a a whopping great viewership for all these creature features, for all these Saturday night monster movies, which, Mm. as we said in uh, in another couple of episodes, you know, the Saturday sci-fi premiere, the most dangerous night on television, these were a big, big thing back Mm. in the day. And I just think it's interesting that we've got a film that was released theatrically stateside, But then was released straight to video here in the UK as part of the whole Anaconda, Deep Blue Sea Lake, Placid sort of vogue. And then it spawns a sequel, you know, near enough ten years later, Mm -hmm. which goes straight to television. And which at the time of Bats 2's making, of course, they were, you know, the sci-fi channel, they were knocking out all these sort of sequels. You know, you had the pumpkin head stuff, you yeah. had uh, the two Return of the Living Deads, yeah. and then ultimately things like Anaconda 3, Anaconda 4, all the Lake Placid things. In short, Bats and Bats 2 are just a really cool example, um, a microcosm of the entire creature feature spectrum between 1997 and 2009
0: time. You're listening to Natural Selection, The home of the DTV Creature Feature. The full moon of October is known as the Hunter's Moon. This October, the hunters will be out in force, filling the hungry sky. And you... the midnight snack that was a trailer for bats there the, the uh, film from 1999 which is first on our agenda today um we to begin with this probably best beginning with um destination films isn't it that mm-hmm. fabled offshoot of sony um responsible for so many sequels you know they, they're going today you know still working on sniper films uh, you know 27 or 28 or however many they've done <laughs> but perhaps most famous for the um, sequels from the early noughties things like Hollow Man 2 uh, the I Know What You Did Last Summer sequel and the Glasshouse sequel as well um, was it 98 they, they came about? Mm-hmm.
1: yep Destination were founded in 1998 by two guys called Brent Baum and Steve Sabler their remit is very similar to that of another Sony offshoot Screen Gems yeah uh, only they work with a little less money mm. screen gems uh, so you've got action movies, thrillers sci-fi, horror and they're all done for a price mm. you know they're, they're, it's mid to low end genre stuff. As you say though they do have a deal with Sony they are Sony's subsidiary and uh, Sony's initial deal with them was to distribute certain films theatrically and of course to video yeah. And as well as straight to video. So as you say, we've got Hollow Man 2, Vampires Lost Motors, mm. Vampires Returning. I uh, can't, can't believe that you didn't name-check Wild Things 2 and 3, man. <laughs> BATS was mm. Destination's very first production. Incredibly, incredibly fast turnaround. The company was mm. set up to make BATS, uh, and they had in mind that it had to be released Halloween 1999 into US mm. theatres so such a fast making for the film pre-production took place in May 1999 mm-hmm. they were shooting by the end of May 1999 right through to July edited in theatres Halloween mm. it's
0: insane really isn't it mm. and it doesn't show
1: not at all not at all you a fan? massive fan so massive am
0: I fan. I mean this got a lot of heat back in the day mm. Um, it certainly didn't bomb I mean probably overall you know it took what about 30 million when you count DVD or theatrical TV mm-hmm. that's a lot yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a six time return on its uh, original budget but I think it's fantastic mm-hmm. I think from the minute from the first minute it just doesn't let up that great opening sequence with Daryl Quentin Jammer um, it, it's great um, and then from there on in it, it just it just never lets up
1: I think that's uh, what you said about you know the 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 fast turnaround and stuff Mm. like that. I think that is reflected in the movie. There is a sense of urgency to it. I think that that, that it's it's unavoidable. You know, if you're if if you're told that right, we've got this date, we've Mm -hmm. got to make this movie fast, 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 fast. You are going to be firing on all cylinders and reading about the film's making, listening to the commentary and all things like that. From the sound of it, they were going hell for leather Mm. each day. You know, and that translates to the screen. And the, one of the, the probably the big thing I love about it is that from beginning to end, like you say, it just doesn't let up.
0: Hmm. I mean, Louis Mono, he he's pretty much well versed in this kind of speedy turnaround, mm-hmm. yeah. considering his um, you know lengthy lengthy um, CV with Corman, mm-hmm. Um doing a couple of your favourite films, I know. <laughs> um, but prior to Batsy, he'd just done Soldier Boys with with Didikoff, was it? Mm-hmm. Before then, going on to make retroactive, which yeah. is um,
1: and another sort of example like bats, where mm. retroactive was released theatrically stateside, yeah. but straight to video here in the UK. So, to my mind, because it is a straight to video production, yeah, it, you know, it's retroactive one of a strong contender for one of the best director video films ever made. I'm going to say sense, exactly the same know. thing, uh, but yeah, he so. uh More no, is a hell of a director Yes. Yeah. yeah i mean that year he just done made
0: men uh, mm-hmm. again with belushi which was, which was great but he, he he really uh did do a fine job on that it's interesting to see that the, the john logan wrote the script as well who went on to do crazy stuff like the aviator for man scorsese mm-hmm. and really high-end gigs um any given sunday gladiator and stuff like that so but yeah, Logan was just starting out, and I think the previous year he'd done a film for Hallmark called or Tornado. Or something was it? Mm. Um, and that was really good as well. So this is a guy that's uh, that's sort of got the nucleus of a great career just yeah. just just starting off. Um, yeah,
1: you know, immediately after this, I think it, it was Gladiator. Was it? He went yeah. on, you know, an Oscar-winning classic, an amazing film. Mm. Um, and you know, if you look at Logan's stuff. I, 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 I have a love-hate relationship with Alien Covenant. Um, Mm -hmm. Ditto the the Bond films that he wrote, Skyfall and Spectre. But one thing that Logan can't be... Uh, accused of is not being an energetic writer he's yeah. got a good sense of pace to him as does Morneau as a director if you look at his CV on the whole you oh, know yeah. if, if you if you look at Retroactive mm-hmm. uh, which is incredibly well paced if mm-hmm. you look at uh, I needed To Do It Carnosaur 2 <laughs> if you look at Carnosaur <laughs> 2 you know, you know Morneau's work on that is is brilliant He he's condensed Aliens down into like 80 minutes mm and just gave us all the velociraptor action that we could wish for yeah you know so both Mono, both logan have an amazing sense of pace about them so obviously if you couple that with the massively truncated schedule to try and get this thing out there it's just energy 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 all the way and and again at the risk of repeating myself that translates on screen
0: yeah undoubtedly i mean i think the look of the film is great the location suits obviously they're meant to be texas but it is in fact utah isn't mm-hmm. it which you can kind of see from the snow-capped mountains in the background of some of the uh, <laughs> some of the sequences not very texan but but not to worry um but yeah with regard to the look of the film it's your guy that, that's holding the camera isn't it it's, oh uh, yeah george marudian yeah. yeah of course uh Pune, veteran of
1: what over 20 films or something um yeah he shot um George Marudian shot everything that Albert Pune made between Kickboxer 2 in 1991 right through to Postmortem in 1998. I think he worked with him one more time since after that as well. I want to say that god-awful Sword uh, Sword and the Sorceress (laughs) uh, sequel that Pune sort of slung together. But Mm. Marudian, you know, he... The the if you look at his work, as mm. well, if you look at the stuff that he did with with Pune in the nineties, if you look at Mean Guns, if you look at uh, Heat Seeker and uh, Spitfire, things yeah. like that, all the nineties Pune stuff, mm-hmm. they look superb. Mm. And you know, given a little bit more money to work with, with Mono on Retroactive, yeah. uh, and here in Bats, honestly, this Bats just looks fantastic, <laughs> doesn't it? It's, you know, the, the inky deep shadows, yeah. just the God. Gorgeously delicate framing, very polished, stunning, very slick. There's always a sense of movement to the camera mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and to me, I liken it to, it, it. it's like the movement of a bat. It's as <laughs> if they're like zoning in on the energy of the bat itself. It, yeah. You know, you're always sort of like flying around people's faces. Mm-hmm. and st- it, it, It's a really, it's visually in tune with its story. Yeah, and, and and I love that, and it, and again, it's just beautiful to look at.
0: But the slickness also is is you know it, it pertains to the the way that the the CGI blends with the the physical you know constructed bats. Mm. You know, mm. it, it's not jarring at all, is it? You know, they, no, they blend not. so well together. And like, although you, you know, if if you yeah, if you if you examine the film with a forensic detail, you can see the difference between the the CGI shots and the and the and the physical um, puppetry. But, you know, I think it just works together really, really well. And, of course, behind that you've got KMB. Um, mm-hmm. Early days KMB, really, isn't it?
1: No, Ish. no, they'd... Uh, I think... What was the first thing they they set up in the... Uh, I think the first thing they did was Intruder. Oh, was know. it? Yeah, back uh, 10 years earlier. Wow. But mm. this was... You know, this—they were still very much at this point. They were still doing, you know, the the schlocky kind mm, of mm, horror movies. Mm, mm, mm. You know, Kurtzman, one of the founders of K&B he'd not long done uh, Wishmaster. Yeah. They'd done From Dust Till Dawn. They were. This was still the 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 relatively halcyon days of rubbery effects mm, and stuff. Mm. Shortly before, you know, the market fell out and they all started turning to CGI. Yeah. Um. Of course, it didn't really affect K&B because they're still a massive, massive force. Yeah and rightly so because their work's superb mm. um, but yeah the, the, the puppets that they have are amazing mm. um, wonderful sort of tactile quality to them you know the the, the bit with the, the bat in the baby's crib oh awful awful oh, yeah. looking you know mm. really creepy this horrible little <laughs> kind of effect going on <laughs> I don't know how else to verbalise that other That's than true Um but uh, yeah and, and it does it blends very well with the CGI mm. I don't think the CGI is intrusive and I, I would stick my neck out on the line to say that the CGI in this is much more preferable and much better than in uh, Anaconda or Lake Placid Yeah. And I think it, 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 it they are helped of course by the fact that a lot of the film does take place at night and mm-hmm. you know as we all know the the night hides a multitude of sins <laughs> uh, reading about what you will but yeah it the, the effects are great uh, the, and the, the bats are a cool monster so what
0: is going on in bats I mean you got Lou Diamond Phillips playing the sheriff Shem of yeah. Emmett Kimsey mm-hmm. um, and then you've got Dina Mayer as Dr Sheila Casper who's the um,
1: the batologist batgirl? Is that a, is that a thing Batgirl, call batgirl. A batgirl. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, because of a thing going on in the town with, with bats that aren't really as vegetarian as they used to be. Yes, I know the word isn't uh, vegetarian, is it? It's more sort of scientific than that.
1: Herbivore? Herbivore. Herbivore, yeah. There we go. <laughs> but yes, they are genetically engineered mm. bats, which um, in this day and age, in the uh, age of COVID 19, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to get my tinfoil hat on no. or not, anything, no. but I am sure you can see where i'm going with this but uh you know that corona bat it's an escaped experiment people <laughs> uh there's a there's a virology lab in wuhan for god's sake uh, and the bats in bats are infected with a virus yeah. you know this film this is prophecy
0: Well, it is prophecy because you got that line at the start of the film where you know it's like everyone in texas thinks they know everything about everything and it's the exact same thing now. You know, all the, all the people in Texas. All the red The necks. very sort of um, the red state, Trump-loving kind of people who are all going to their Garth Brooks <laughs> concerts or whoever it is these days, you know. The um, nice car. Pretty Joe, you know, pretty, pretty Ray Cyrus. And they're all, you know, you know, grouping together without their masks and stuff. And they're all like, nah, Trump, we can do this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, it's prophecy because, you know, it is, you know, set in this small Texas town called Gallup, uh, where these uh, vicious creatures are um, are causing mayhem. Where obviously Doctor Casper and her uh, very funny assistant Jimmy are brought in to deal with it. Jimmy's great, isn't he? Played by uh, yeah, he's
1: he's very much a and comic. Played yeah. by
0: Leon, of course, who was in Cool Runnings and um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, and he's great. And I don't think I think one thing that, um, that Lewis Munro said in the commentary. Uh, was initially that role wasn't comedic in any way, but they kind of adapted it as the film went on mm. to kind of bring a little bit of uh, late, uh, light relief to the to the show yeah. really i mean
1: because for his unashamedly b movie mm. bats is in premise mm. uh you know and and mono has been very always been very very upfront about it mm. you know he he's in the Fangoria interview he conducted it, they conducted with him at the time he said that you know he knows it's a b movie. Mm. But he didn't want to play campy. And yeah, he said yeah. he learned that from Corman. Mm. You know, he said that Corman, one of the things that Corman hated was how he'd get a script mm. and instead of just playing the material straight and letting the humour come from the absurdity of the setup, yeah. you know, there's all these winks at the camera mm. and all these sort of ironic pokes and that. And mm. Mono, like Corman, hates that. Yeah. So, um, a great strength of Bats is that while. It knows that it's a B movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. It just plays it straight and lets you have fun with it. You know, it, it it's pitched as as a roller coaster. That old analogy of a horror movie as a roller coaster this is what it is and it, and it works very well because it's not smug it's not ironic it's not something like Sharknado which is trying no, to like no. beat you round the head with how clever and snarky it can be you know aren't these sharks so fucking stupid like <laughs> bats completely eschews all that stuff and it's it treats the bats as a formidable threat yeah. Um yes, there's not much in the way of character development or anything like that. But who cares? Yeah, but like you know, you know the sheriff, bat girl the evil scientist who made the bats, you get enough information around them that you know, they're they're cartoon characters. They are they're caricatures, but they
0: suit them, the film suits them, you know. Uh Diamond Phillips is that perfect small town sheriff, but also the supporting cast as well, you know, obviously um Bob Gunson as of the evil doctor Dr Alexander McCabe uh, Bob Gunton of course you know from the great warden in uh, Shawshank Redemption but an actor and so you've got that, like a, a nucleus of around um, four or five really yeah. really decent people that uh, give it a very welcoming feel
1: well as we've said the, the money is the bat action yeah you know there's as well as the KnB stuff this is like we said about the CGI there was over 200 CGI shots of bats or augmentations to the bats and they really pay off because this is a film not only of great energy mm. of great technical moxie it it's also very set piece heavy mm-hmm. you know I think it'd be wrong if we if we were sat here talking about bats right now and we didn't mention the town massacre. <laughs> that is one of the, my word, one of if not the outright finest set mm. pieces in director video millennial yeah. creature feature history.
0: That's great, and they dressed the set really well, didn't they? Mm. I mean, that's one of the things that really stands out. I thought the set looked absolutely fantastic, um, and it really does help with that scene. It, it, it's, it's momentous, but all through the film, you can almost, you know, have chapter indexes or mm. chapter gaps. Just where those set pieces yeah, like, cool lie. Cool bit one, exactly. cool bit two, cool yeah. bit three. Because I mean. from the first sequence, as I said, with the two um, kids, Quentin and Gemma, down to that that, that, that momentous sequence after after about twenty minutes, where you got them in the in the in the jeeps in the, mm. and the and the bats are trying to get into the jeeps, which I thought that's uh, I think why it doesn't equate to the town massacre. I think uh, that sequence is almost on a par with that. Because I feel it has a real sort of isolation kind of quality to it, and it is—it's the first time you really meet the bats full on mm, with yeah. any kind of—you um, know—you know. Uh, you know I'm, make, I'm making a sign. Making a, a bat type making gesture. Making a sign. A, yeah. they're,
1: they're, for, they're a formidable presence. You yes. Can, you know, that's when when they start swarming round that car and stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, you know, it, it's gross. It's creepy, but mm-hmm. it's still very silly at the same time. Yeah. So just ghoulish fun. Mm. And again, going back to the town massacre, it, that translating into that, uh, there, there's an element of silliness to it, of mm-hmm. absurdity. But it's but again, it's never ever played like oh look at no, look no, at all no, no, this no. crazy bat stuff. It's just it's presented in such a. No, but I think a, I think that relates to sorry, to interrupt, I think That
0: relates to the common aspect or the common heritage from Morneau. But also maybe as well with the editor, um, you know, Glenn Garland, mm. who of course worked on Corman's films from the early '90s. So you got two key people in the film, two key creators, creators be it Moore now and Alan Garland, mm. who are rooted in that Corman philosophy. So,
1: so they know exactly what what say you are I or what mm. people listening to this. If if you, they know the meat and potatoes exactly. that we want. Mm. You know, they've had a great education working with Corman. Other set pieces, uh, I think that we. You know, we need to talk about is is the cave stuff at mm. the end, um, and that you know when you've got uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and Dinah Meyer, mm. you know, but the sheriff and Batgirl when <laughs> they go down into the cave, uh, in their suits, and my, it, it's like Alien. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just a total homage to Alien, and I love that. Um, even the, the way the bomb. That they've got, the way that dangles, <laughs> it looks just exactly like the space jockey from Alien. Uh, just love it, because more no, uh, he clearly has a lot of reverence for the Alien series. Yeah. You know, after all, Carnosaur 2, like we said earlier, <laughs> is just aliens <laughs> with raptors. So to my mind, it's certainly a deliberate uh, homage. Uh, and there's there's a triple reference going on as well, to me. Not only is it Alien, mm. if you look at the the colours of it, there's a lot of... The, the oranges, the browns, uh, the, the, the earthiness—that's like uh, Norman J. Warren's *In Seminoid*. Oh yeah, you know, the same yeah, yeah. sort of set design and mm. that. And then mm. you've got a little touch of barva in there mm. as well—a bit, a bit of *Planet of the Vampires*. You know, okay. more, more of yeah, the, yeah. We'll the pulpy, that. lurid sort of lighting effects, like the blues uh, and like the gentle greens that start mm. dribbling in. And it's just really cool. Again, it links in with the whole sense of spectacle. And, it, and it, it, it's it got that, it's got that crocodile type quality to it, <laughs> yeah. whereby it's gotten, incre- you know, you think this film's peaked with the bat attack, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then after that, the next amazing sequence involves fire, electricity, <laughs> shooting, sh- more, shitloads more bats, mm, and mm. then you have this cave sequence, and yeah. then you have all these random, really quirky touches In the middle of it all, Mm. you know, like when when the bats rip apart another bat that they put a Mm. tracking device on, which is just such a cool and imaginative touch. You know, this is a film, it's having having fun with being a B-movie.
0: Yeah. I think they had the tools to do it, though, for that sequence. I mean, Mm. it was a set, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, An old steel mill, I think it was. I think they were there for about a week filming it. So it looks as though they could really um, get out of that just what they wanted. Uh, And they certainly did do. Mm. because uh, yeah it's a great final third to the movie and it really does round off in a in a spectacular and satisfying manner mm. um, add to this of course you, you've got we haven't mentioned the soundtrack which of course is by uh, Graham Plevel um, Lewis now states on the commentary that he wanted almost a Bernard Herrmann style sound to it and I think he does get that I think it, it does have that herman um mm. sense of foreboding to the to the score as it builds in the in certain moments
1: um i mean revels are an amazing composer anyway mm. you know you've got what, what yeah the crow saint uh, <laughs> I, oh god i cannot abide roger moore man I cannot no, abide no 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 it. yeah but i meant the, oh uh, no the val, but the, kilman. val kilman yeah, of course yeah,
0: yeah. i mean there's, there's not that it's any better but you know
1: mm. but yeah the crow Sand with Val Kilmer, uh, Freddy vs Jason, Hard Target—you know, re mm. again a swirling score. Yeah, and like like you say, but Hermanesque. Mm-hmm. We're
0: looking at this film twenty-one years later. It's still relatively untouched by human hand, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, it still belongs to the occasional badly judged think piece written yeah. about it by people who aren't qualified to do so, but you know this should have a bit more
1: it should be cult it should be, be cool. Really? i mean i i i'm very aware that um you know i don't want to get the whole chaz berlin sort of thing where <laughs> you know as much as i loved his stuff but mm. the, the merest all you had to do was excite to excite him as a journalist with presenting with some tits and some blood <laughs> You know, and I, I don't want it to get to the point where people think, "Oh, they say everything's a fucking classic mm. yeah, on that yeah. podcast." But <laughs> this genuinely is. This belongs yeah. in in the pantheon of like mm. spiders yeah. and crocodile. You know, if you like Lake Placid, anaconda, deep mm. blue sea, um, you should. At the very next level, you need to explore the likes of crocodile, mm. spiders, mm. and bats. Yeah,
0: you
1: know. So this this is. We, 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 One we, of the classics
0: of the cycle. We've we've seen the stuff that that, that from Sony that's coming to boutique Blu- Blu-ray via Anaconda last year, mm-hmm. and a few other bits that are forthcoming. And you know, if this doesn't appear in a boutique Blu-ray release in the next twelve months, then you know, I'll be
1: very I'll be very shocked. Yeah. Um, because I do think, from time to time, it, it does it. It warms my heart. That you'll see on Twitter, someone will mention bats, and there is there's a lot of secret bat fans <laughs> out there, closeted. Yeah, closeted bat fans. It's uh, still sat in the bat cave, <laughs> or or in the Wuhan lab, uh, and you know they, they do exist. Um, I do think I, I would like to uh, give a shout out to uh, our dear friend Colin McCracken. Yes, uh, because. Uh, Colin, of course, the, the uh, editor of the, the sadly-since-fallen zombie hamster who really helped me and Dave get our leg up uh, in, the, in this industry. Not the leg, leg over, over you <laughs> damn pervert. Um, but yeah, like I, as much as I loved all this creature feature stuff, Bats did pass me by until maybe about six years ago. You know, And yeah. I saw that Colin had mentioned it, and I don't know, what's this? And just... I must have seen it about five or six times since and I just fell madly in love with it. So if you're listening, Colin, thank you. You're listening
0: to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV creature feature.
1: While on a mission, deep in the Russian forest, heads up, eyes open, the Delta Force discovers.
0: You hear that? Their enemy isn't who they expect.
1: And realize, once they enter the forest, they may never get out. Bats Human Harvest.
0: You were listening to the trailer for Bats 2, the uh, Human Harvest. Um. Yeah, we're going to go to Bulgaria for this one, and we're on the Sci Fi Channel, and we're eight years after the first film, and eight years of sort of um, been a steady decline in mm. quality, hasn't yeah. it?
1: Before, um, I mean, this is just another one where I could just sit and go. Ah. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. We got fifteen minutes. Um, but I think before that. We do need to place Bat's Human Harvest yeah. into context mm-hmm. uh, because we've got, to, to, to pinch one of your turns of phrase here, Dave, we've got some familiar faces. Familiar faces. Produced by Jeffrey Beach and Philip Roth, who, of course, uh, are the masterminds behind UFO, yeah. who we have looked at in, uh, in the past with the Python and mm-hmm. Boa films. Um, bat's Human Harvest isn't a ufo production um well not under their banner name of ufo anyway Mm. Um, here roth and beach were doing the wonderful mercenary job of just being the production service company being the ones who get the film made so that's human harvest you can tell by the fact that Thomas Vitali is listed as the producer, the Sci-Fi's uh, executive director of programming yeah. and original movies at the time. Bats Two is one hundred percent sci-fi slot filler, yeah. uh, right down to, as you say, being made in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I say that with a smile on my face uh, because I think that we have proved um, in this podcast uh, so far that we love the sort of Bulgarian mm. direct video straight to tv stuff, especially if it's affiliated with Roth or mm. New Image and things like that. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with mercenary filmmaking, no, no, no. nothing wrong with the whole supply and demand thing, mm. but that human harvest is just so
0: meh. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my disdain for it comes from a... A more military-based angle. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I can go back here and childhood tales of, of woe, uh, but I won't. Um, I just I've never been a fan of war films. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, apart from maybe Terrence Malick's *The Red Line* mm-hmm. and maybe some anti-war films like that Brandon Palmer one he did called *Redacted*. Which is oh really?
1: Amazing. That's an, in- oh, an interesting good. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. They have never. You know, I can't. I can't raise a sort of hoo-ha for any kind of uh, military-based mm. um, nonsense. So, and, like, and during this time, I mean, during the time I first started writing about films, there was a massive glut of, of military-based horror. You know, Troops in Peril. Yeah. Where you had films like, um, you know, Code Red, Outpost, one of its sequels, Frankenstein's Army, stuff like that. All the DTV stuff, it seemed like every week there was something else military-based Mm. about these group of soldiers that have been dumped in a forest and they had to run from the monster of the week mm. um, and it it's kind of poisoned my whole opinion <laughs> about this kind of thing so obviously I, we, we both hadn't seen Bat's uh, sequel prior to
1: yeah this was the yeah, first time you for both was wasn't it? prepping this? for this
0: podcast and um yeah I, I stuck it on the other day and it just brought back flashbacks <laughs> <Vietnam-style> <laughs> how appropriate flashbacks. yeah <laughs> so there was me ducking behind the couch avoiding the gunfire um and it was it was just uh i mean if if it attempted something different with it, but in the end I just started playing a drinking game. For every army based cliche that they would, um, mm. they would, they would shout out, you know, from clear, yes sir, move out, twelve degrees north, Roger that, ten clicks further, full disclosure, affirmative, man down, fire the hole, they're all there. Yeah, it's, it is. If you if you if you listed every one of these 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 cliches, these utterances, then you would be pissed after about fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's, it's which might be the,
1: a the script is just pulled from the big book of military. Film cliches, you know. There's all the army guy posturing in the military Mm. boardroom. Um, The dialogue is quite honestly utter bollocks. Um, Mm. Not a clue what's going on, other than it's just military-based claptrap. I do think, to a certain extent, it is interesting because you know there is a sequence um, set at an Al Qaeda training camp. Yeah, Uh, you know, and. If you, if you read it a certain way, I do think that perhaps that's a little poke at the War on Terror. Mm-hmm, maybe, you know, this, yeah. Um, and it's interesting that if you look at it, uh, you know, that if you look at the, the modern, say, post-1997 creature feature, everything from Anaconda onwards, mm. if you really pick apart the underlying themes of those movies... We go from the pre-millennium stuff, which is very much about pre-millennium bug panic. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got the fear that at the turn of the year 2000, I think we've said it in, uh, in reference to, like, They Nest and Crocodile, this mm. fear that um, at the turn of a millennium, everything would go haywire and we'd plunge back into the Dark Ages. But then, if you go post-9-11, mm. which is where Bat's Human Harvest falls in, obvi- yeah. for obvious reasons, 2007 film, but if post-9-11, it, it's evoking, well, those post-9-11 tensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a greater spike in films like Bat's Human Harvest, films which involve creatures... Uh, and soldiers and elements of combat. Uh, we saw it last episode with um, bugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, for a sci fi production from around 2009, time, both Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski are on record as saying that sci fi, they don't like the army as a plot device. Right. You know, it was one of the things that when. Red Olin Ray was making uh, Direwolf mm. and, and it was done with the intention of getting it put on sci-fi yeah. and in one of the sort of you know in the, in the show bible that he was using the sort of do's and don'ts list, yeah. it was like we don't want the military we don't mm-hmm. like the military uh, and they hate films about or involving the army, which is surprising because, as you've alluded to, they show a lot of films but about the, the army. The, pri- the previous year,
0: they just made SS Doom mm-hmm. You know, so that's weird. That's weird. It must be a very fluid Bible. <laughs> but, um, you know, should we try and navigate the plot in some kind of way? Because we start in Chechnya mm-hmm. with, with a, a, a group of... Uh, couple of fellows in a truck who uh uh succumbed to some to, to some bat power mm-hmm. and then we as you said we, we, we go over to uh, to crete and iraq to this training camp and then back um to chechnya um i <sighs> all for the sake of Getting the Doctor. That's right, we have to get the Doctor, don't we?
1: Yes. That's uh, the That's vague mission. Thomas Orana's character. Thomas Orana, of course, from Frank and Fish. Yes. Uh, but probably best known for a couple of uh, pretty hip Italian horror titles mm. that he appeared in. You know, you got The Church, The Sect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my personal favourites. but doesn't get as much uh, no, no, no. love um, as it should. Lambert Barva's body puzzle, which yeah. I think's great. great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah... He. it wasn't until they arrested him uh, until all these soldiers got him at like the 50 minute mark that yeah. I had any idea what the fuck the actual thrust <laughs> of the plot was you know prior to that it was just military claptrap yeah. um, and a few scenes of, of bat action
0: mm-hmm. um, with regard to the bat action it is primarily CGI isn't mm-hmm. it um, it's not that bad is it if I have to throw a positive at the film it's probably the fact that I actually quite liked the way the bats are shot like a perspective like the way the Mm. camera the camera followed the bats from from the rear Mm. Um, which made you feel as though you're part of that attack so I quite like that aspect which was in contrast to maybe the first film Um, a little bit different but you know it, it kind of a frustration for me was probably the fact that Jamie Dixon was was quoted as saying all the time, he tried to do this in comparison to the first film, he Mm. tried to do this, he tried to get these, he tried to do this, but he didn't really manage to do much and we like Jamie Dixon. Yeah, I
1: think Jamie Dixon's great, you know, he's a VFX guy by Mm. trade, which is why the the, the CGI in, in Bat's Look, that human harvest. Sorry, looks so good. Because, um, as you say, there's a bit where the bats swarm around um, a couple of. I couldn't work out whether they were rebels or yokels Yeah. Um, but these sort of local types uh, are out in a field and when they get swarmed by the bats that it, it, it's faultless mm-hmm. um, just hypnotic as well just the, you know, the swirling flickering massive rapidly flapping wings um, deafening squawking it's a very cool moment um, ditto ditto the attack on the soldiers. You know, yeah. the, C- the CGI is really good, um, except the CCTV effects. I thought they were horrific. Oh, yeah. okay. uh, yeah. And they played in marked contrast to the, the excellence of the bad stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, Jamie Dixon, yeah, uh, so VFX guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his credits include Spawn, Deep Blue Sea. Um, he was actually the guy responsible for Samuel L. Jackson's death. All he, right. was, he was one of the guys who worked on that, and oversaw oh, okay. saw that bit. Okay. Uh, Supernova with Lou Diamond Phillips, who of course we mentioned in *Bats*, and mm. which is a great film, by the way. Supernova, I I, I prefer it to *Event Horizon*. Putting that, Put that out there. Putting uh, that out there. Prometheus um, did VFX on that, and he usually did it under the guise of his VFX company, uh, Hammerhead Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about Jamie Dixon is he. Had previously directed a very nifty film called Bram Stoker's uh, Shadow Builder, yeah. um, which was one of the wave of sort of stoker based mm-hmm. video and cable prog video and cable programmers um, that popped up in the nineties. Yeah, you know, after Francis Ford Coppola had done Bram Stoker's Dracula, you oh, had yeah. all this stuff like Corman doing Burial of the Rats, Bram Stoker's mm-hmm. Burial of the Rats, mm-hmm. and uh, they're utterly. Horrific Bram Stoker's Legend of the Mummy, which was made by the guys who uh, did The Kindred. Yeah, I the name right I now, Jeffrey Obro. that's, that's week for the yeah. for the first time,
0: but at least the sequel was decidedly uh, better, wasn't it?
1: Yes, by David Dakota. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jamie Dixon is—he's a very talented guy, not just in terms yeah. of VFX as a director. Mm-hmm. You know, he has that sort of mono quality to him. He doesn't have as many films as mono. No. but. He knows how to make a film visually interesting. Uh, and, again, just to add to the sole positive that you pointed out with Bats, Human Harvest, is that there are a few touches of Tony Scott to the film. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's a bit of flashiness, like these freeze frames and flashes of light. Um, competently shot as well, uh, though some of the day-for-night stuff is really really bad Mm, you know mm, that it's mm. really poor quality but more than anything it's the script and the story that lets this thing down it's just
0: oh it is and it's a a shame because the two guys doing it Chris Denk and Brett Merriman both have you know a fairly decent pedigree and the fact uh, Chris Denk wrote The Reef 2 which was a half decent you know um shark based bit of mayhem while well, Brett Merriman um, scripted uh, Glasshouse Goodmother which is again a, a fine you know a functional sequel to a, to a decent little popular yeah
1: they're uh, they're two very cool sort of entertaining time killers those Glasshouse movies aren't yeah they? they're good um, so it's a disappointment but also for me I thought the cast was so bland
0: mm. you know there was no one I mean I, mean, I know sort of a uh, sci-fi movies progressed throughout the the last 20 years you have seen a slight absence in a star name yeah um from the heady days of of michael madsen being in, 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 in <laughs> and uh and folk like that and even to the degree of dean cain but th- this one i mean both um michael jason david chikachi just don't really cut the mustard in terms of having a presence on film yeah Whereas, sort of while polly uh, pollyanna mcintosh is good in one of her first film roles um with her Russian accent, her Russian Scottish hybrid mm. accent.
1: Yeah, it gives uh, Mark Frost in Faust a run for a money right. in terms yeah, of yeah, You know, yeah. if you watch Faust, where his accent goes from broad American yeah. to broad Birmingham, <laughs> uh, and yeah, Pollyanna McIntosh, great actress, but here her her accent wildly <laughs> fluctuates. Um, yeah. But other than her, I, I mean, and and then I think it was one of the guys you mentioned. I just wrote him down as young Michael Bean-looking guy. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. you know the cast are completely, completely indistinguishable. Which you know, in something like a David Dakota movie, that's that that's that's good. That's what it's meant to be. That's (laughs) that's part of the guy's tableau. But here, where you're meant to relate to these characters, where they all they all speak with the same rhythm, they all look the same, Mm. they all are just they're beyond cardboard cutouts. They're they're just so completely vacuous and empty. And I just didn't give a rat's ass about him Um, and and like the whole movie really is just kind of boring I just found myself Mm. daydreaming uh, checking my phone a lot Mm. sighing very loudly (laughs) to the point where my neighbours actually started banging on the wall Um, yeah and I just wished that I'd watched Bats again, the original
0: yeah Um, Bats 2 is available on DVD um, second hand normally but it's also available on Amazon Prime if you want to screen, stream it in HD it is quite a nice looking um...
1: yeah it's worth it for the visuals I don't know maybe one of those things where there used to be nightclubs around here where they'd have like a, they'd have some random B movie playing in the background while you were drinking it was right. just as a bit of visual I think that was that was one, actually the first time I saw 2019 after the fall oh, of really? New York yeah it was it was in a a place called the Corner House in Middlesbrough they were playing that <laughs> on the screen and I was meant to be uh, I don't know my girlfriend or something at the time and I think I just ended up paying her and all my mates <laughs> off and just watching <laughs> 2019 after the fall in New York so if you want a bit of ambience but yeah. human harvest is good but uh, oh and it, it's kind of cool seeing uh, Thomas Arana getting blown up yeah. by yeah. the bean looking guy with a landmine that, that, that made me <laughs> smile it was a really well timed and really well done gag
0: yeah but well, that's pretty much it, really, isn't it? You can't mm. really add more on to that. Um, I
1: hate it when we end episodes on a downer like this. It is a downer, but, you know, you know
0: it, it's hard to sort of... It's like a post-coital... Um, <laughs> the guilt. <laughs> the post-coital <laughs> guilt. Post-coital guilt after after the heights of Bats and the and the sultry, yeah, you know, seductive nature of its uh, of its dazzling uh, brilliance. Um, you know, Bats 2 is just a turret affair. Yeah. With 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 the person that you never really fancied in the first place, and you just sort of <laughs> and yes. now you're having
1: to avoid them. Yeah, stop responding to their calls. Exactly.
0: That's bad too. Um, good to be back.
1: Yeah, massively. Massively. We've, yeah, we've got uh, another two episodes lined up for for natural selection. So yeah, there's just two of, more, isn't yeah, there? Two I'm more. Good, we're we're going to call it. Call time on it. I think. Call time. I think we've done what we've set out to do we at have. that point. Um, unless, of course, there is a uproarious demand yeah, for us to do things like Piranha and that. who knows we'll probably, we'll probably dust them off further down the line but we are going to take a creature feature break very soon after the next two episodes hiatus um, hiatus. hiatus yes we'll, 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 be, back, we'll uh... be back we'll put it on the wikipedia page hiatus always looks good <laughs> um, of course I think we, we need to mention that the schlockpit.com is now back online after well it hiatus when we got a little bit complacent and stopped updating it we got busy but, uh, that's what happened we got
0: busy um, <laughs> yeah but you, you can hit, hit, go to the uh, schlockpit.com and find everything about what we do It'll be a podcast uh, book film and article yeah we've got stuff. like
1: reviews retrospectives editorials up there some book teases for the schlock and all book um, life, life
0: story past lovers Everything about <laughs> us you can find on www.sluckbit.com. Please give us a like on um, iTunes. iTunes and Podbean and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, leave us a review if yeah, you can, because that, that would
1: really do wonders and it'll stop us having to set up a Patreon to start bugging you for jump change. Absolutely.
0: But thank you for tuning in. You know what Twitter handles, so we're not going to repeat that, because if you don't know by now, then...
1: Then <laughs> <And> you don't <laughs> know us at all.
0: <laughs> and we'll see you next time. us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the Schlock and Awe page on Instagram, while well, you're welcome to stalk Maddie and Dave on Twitter. See you next time on Natural Selection.